and welcome to the Big Happy Life podcast. This week, I had the great pleasure of talking to Sharon and Loretta Gavin, who are the owners of The Detox Barn, which is a wellness retreat in Suffolk where you can go and have a complete digital detox, be served amazing plant-based, whole, nourishing foods, learn from a whole load of demonstrations about food and how to make your own vegan meals and your own nut milks and smoothies and juices and all these amazing, incredible things that will leave you feeling so vital and energetic, which is perfect because there's also yoga and meditations and guided walks, talks on happiness, and even the opportunity to experience rapid transformational therapy. So they managed to get a lot of wellness into one weekend. Not only that, but they're also a comedy double act, and so they are just such fun to talk to. And they make the whole world of wellness one that is much more accessible, much more down-to-earth, and just a lot more interesting because it's fun to talk about and it's fun to talk to them, which made this one of my favorite episodes that I've ever recorded. And I learned so much from them. Like many people who end up in the wellness industry, their story starts with a story of illness and overcoming the struggles that that illness brought into their lives. But it goes on to become this really inspiring, illuminating example of what's possible, of what it means to live a healthy life in all ways, not just with food, but in other ways too. So this episode is so jam-packed with amazing advice, great tips, and incredibly thought-provoking ideas that help us answer the question, how good is it possible to feel? Here's our conversation. So yeah, as I say, I'm just going to dive in because we've worked together and yeah. I have a hundred yeah. questions yeah. for you. But the basic gist, okay, so the reason that I wanted to talk to you is because, as you know, I'm a mindset coach. And so I've done a lot of inner work and a lot of understanding emotions and trying to help myself and my clients feel better. But one of the things that's still kind of bugging me is I still wake up some days with like no energy, um, kind of thinking, well, is this as good as it gets? And so I started looking in the kind of physical arena of thinking about health and wellness. So I really wanted to talk to you because that is your arena. So before I ask you all the questions about how good it's possible to feel and all of the stuff around that, I'd really love to know, first of all, a little bit about how you came to choose your path to wellness, how these, the things that you value became the things you value. Yeah. So it took a while and it actually took quite a dramatic illness for me to really value health and wellness and know what it really is to feel good having knowing what it really is to feel really bad. Um, So in some ways I had, um, in some ways it was a kind of easier path because I knew I definitely didn't want to be like that. Uh, But obviously I I wouldn't wish what I went through on anyone. So you can get there without having to do what I did, which was to get extremely ill. So just to give you a little bit of background on that, I, about nine years ago now, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called dermatomyositis. 
and it's a muscle disease um, and skin. I had skin involvement as well. And basically I, I woke up one day, um, I was in a bit of a rubbish marriage um, and I, it was very stressful, very, very up and down, never quite knew where I was. Um, and I woke up one day and I was covered head to toe in a really chronic skin rash. I was also six weeks pregnant. So it was a really weird time. I was really high from the pregnancy because I really wanted a child. But I also had this crazy rash and I was like, oh, I don't know what it is. You know, you don't really worry that much, you know. Um, but it was really extreme. And I went to a dermatologist and she was like, you've got acute eczema. And I was like, oh. You also had like bizarre, really bizarre things yeah, on your bizarre, um, Like my, my fingernail ridges were sort of weirdly inflamed. And I went to a doctor and they, they went, I, I don't know what that is. And I was like, oh, okay, weird. Uh, I was thinking, have I caught my fingers on something? You know, these strange things. Went to a dermatologist, she said, you've got acute eczema. And I thought, maybe it's just stress. You know, I've just I had asthma as a child. Maybe it's related, it's its cousin. Um, and then about three weeks after that, I started to notice my muscles. And I started to kind of, I remember going shopping with my mum and lifting something off to look at it. And thinking, my arm hurts. Like, I can't lift this up. What's going on? And then that progressed to then I was like, you know, trying to cut something on my knife. And I was thinking, my arm really aches. Why is it aching? Anyway, cut a long story short, slowly but surely after that, quite rapidly, actually, about three weeks later, I could barely move. Um, and I, I couldn't lift my arms. I could barely get up. I couldn't walk. Uh, I couldn't even hold a toothbrush. And um, so I went to, I was transferred quite rapidly to, um, a rheumatologist who diagnosed me with an autoimmune disease that attacks the muscles and the skin. And my skin was probably the worst case that they'd ever seen. I mean, it was like something from a science textbook that, you know, when you're kids, you'd look at it and you dare each other to lick it. It was, you know, one of those yeah. ones you literally want to bath. Yeah. It was so bad. I it mean, was so bad. And, and it was it was raw and it was inflamed and it was scabby and it was terrific. And, you know, for someone like, for someone like Sharon, who's an actress, where, you know, you get judged all the time on what you look like, you know. Yeah, I had to kind of put the vein thing out the window because my hair was falling out, my skin was awful, I was inflamed, you know. Um, but anyway, they, they they put me on some steroids and they waited until I was 20 weeks pregnant and they put me on immune suppression drugs uh, that suppresses your immune system within an inch of its life. So it's just about functioning, um, but it's stopping the body attacking me. But obviously it's very dangerous because you're suppressing your immune system. Um, but it's a it's a dance really that the doctors try and manage, um, uh, and it got me a bit better. I would say it got me like fifty percent better. I could sort of finally start to dress myself again. I could walk very slowly. Um, I had my baby safely, um, and then after the after my son came along, I, I still wasn't really that that better, and I was just a bit like I don't want to be this sort of shit mum really, you know that kind of. Can barely lift. I couldn't actually lift my child. I remember that's when I first got an au pair. I, I couldn't lift him to change his nappy or put him in a car seat. Or and I remember once going to a doctor's. I had a doctor's appointment. And I desperately wanted to start doing things. I wanted to start start doing things on my own. It was very claustrophobic. Sorry, I'm so upset talking about this now. It's such a long time ago, but it feels like yesterday sometimes. Mm. Um, and I remember going to the doctor's, and it was just a checkup for him. And I remember putting him in the car seat, and then thinking. I can't actually, I can't get this belt on, you know. I, I can't lift his bum up to kind of without cutting his flesh. 
And I remember just asking a passerby, I, mean, I must have been like a mad woman. I just said, look, I'm really sorry, but I can't, I've got a muscle disease and I can't lift my child. Could you just come and lift, lift him up before I put the belt in? Which they did, you know. Um, so I kind of knew I didn't want to live like that. I was like, okay, I'm a bit better. I can sort of do things, but I sort of can't, you know. Mm. So you were very reliant on, she was reliant on me yeah, and my mum, every, everybody, you know. And it was, it, it must have been really, really claustrophobic because you're so used to, and especially, especially someone like Sharon, who is so pumped and full of energy and, you know, just a doer, you know, yeah. it just does things and it's like let's do it what what's wrong with us let's do it you know I think that was a really yeah. hard I, I remember I always remember her sitting in the car and doing a spin class in her head she didn't do a spin class but she was visualizing doing a spin class I was like I'm gonna get upset now it's like oh my <laughs> god you know she goes I just want to do a spin class you know mm. It, it, yeah, and I, I also read a lot about that mind-body connection and kind of, you know, I started to research how I could get a bit better because I didn't want to live like the way I was living and I wanted to be... I didn't want my son to remember me as this sort of sick person, you know, because he was very young when I was very sick, you know, the first few years of his life. Um, and I, as I said, I was living with Loretta. She used to bring him in to me to say goodnight. I had no pay. I had help. I had. I mean, I was really blessed. I had so much help. Um, and I couldn't have done it without it. And people out there that have what I had or similar things without help, I don't know how they survive because that was the only thing that really got me through. I mean, I ba basically, my sister was my carer. I mean, you know. Um, so um, I then started to look at other ways. And so I went to the doctors and I was like, what can I do? I'm a bit better, but I'm not all that well. I I'm not how I used to be. I can't run. I can't do the things I love. What can I do? And they were like, you just need to change your expectations of who you are now. You know, this is this is it. You this know? is like we, we talk a lot in COVID times about the new normal. Yeah. They use that phrase yeah. to show it all the time. They were like, you need to... And, 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 and you, she did have to get used to a new yeah. normal, but it's whether you wanted to live that new normal for the rest of your life, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was like, and I was also like, I've got to be careful not to start seeing myself as a sick person or, you know, my relationship to my sickness and how much control I have or, you know, or control I don't have. And, you know, what brought on the sickness? I started to look at it all and, you know, maybe it was a cry for help. I was in a really stressful marriage. Maybe I somehow forced this on myself. I don't know. I started to really question it all. Um, so anyway, I then started to look at people that got better. People, because I was on those forums that people had diseases like mine and it was just terrifying. It was just like one story after the other story after the story. It was almost like a sick off, you know, who is the sickest? I mean, you know, bless them. And I was part of it as well. I don't mean that in a judgmental way, but it's all you hear is about how bad everybody is, you know, and it wasn't helping me, you know. Um, it was scaring you. Yeah, it was scaring me. Um, so I started to, because, you know, my disease, I had it bad, but it can get worse. It can start affecting internal organs. It can start affecting your throat. You can't swallow. I mean, it, it can get really bad and it can kill you. So I was just like, I don't, I, you know, I, I need to start, I can't, I can't look at this anymore. So I basically um, researched people with severe autoimmune diseases like mine, like lupus, dermatomyositis, MS, um, and I found loads of people that got better and then I looked at what they did and they had correlating factors um, they basically sort of took responsibility for how they were going to react to their disease not responsibility for I've caused this but more where's my power where does it lie how can I affect change 
Um, they changed their diet and lifestyle dramatically. Most of the ones that I looked at gave up processed sugars, gave, gave up processed foods, became plant-based, lots of raw juicing, uh, raw food and, and lots of juicing, um, gave up alcohol. And, you know, when I first looked at the list, I remember sort of, well, I remember first thinking, you know, if all the medicines in the world can't get me better, can only sort of suppress my disease, how is eating a bit of lettuce going to do this? This ain't going to cut it, you know? Um, and I also was a bit depressed looking at the list because I was like, I'm not sure I want to do all this. You know, I love my glass of wine. You know, I, I love seafood. You know, I didn't want to become plant-based. I was a bit like, mm, maybe I'll just take the drugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and take my yeah. drugs. Rather than becoming like a really boring teetotal vegan. That was my idea of a nightmare. But I was, I, I always had this little voice in my head of like, what if? What if it worked? And I, and I couldn't be bothered to give it a go. I mean, how shit is that? <laughs> You know, what if it works? So I kind of dragged Loretta in with me. Yeah, so I said, if we're going to do it, let's do this, like, brilliantly. You know, let's make the most amazing plant-based food. I did loads of research, and I, I, I fell in love with, with cooking and, and eating in a really good way. I retrained as a natural vegan chef, and what I found was that I felt happier, you know, and I, I always say that me and Sharon have turned into this sort of people that... I used to despise, you know, I'd be like, oh, don't drink, eat plant based. And I just thought, well, they're too happy. What's wrong with them? It's weird. Or oh, you can't enjoy things in moderation. What's the point of living? All that type of thing. So, yeah, what you so yeah. yeah it, it, it gave me more energy, more creativity. And, and actually, I became happier. And, and I really noticed that. And I noticed it was easier to be happier. And I didn't have to work so hard. I mean, I don't bounce out of the bed every day and go, ah, you know, but I use a lot of tools and I, I use a lot of, you were talking right at the beginning about physical things I use. And it absolutely 100% has a massive impact on my happiness. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, 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 you know, it's, it's not every day. And going back to your question, how, how good can you feel? As, as Loretta says, not every day do we jump out of bed and go, well, hey, let's tackle the day. And we lose our shit and we're and normal. We, and, and sometimes I feel a bit fed up. I'm like, oh, yeah. A bit like you were saying, Natalie, like sometimes I have these, these glimpses of like, is this as good? Is this it? Sort of school run, come back, a few emails. Is this it? This is as fun as it gets, you know? But that's actually quite rare. I've got to say, most of the day, I feel pretty good because I sleep really well. I exercise first thing in the morning. I get lots of light. I eat really well. And that is giving myself a fighting chance of having a really, really good day. Um, but I do occasionally have those little glimmers of what's life really all about and mm. how how much am I enjoying this? You know, and you know, especially like with kids, like a lot of the time it's it's amazing. But some of those days where it's not, and then I go, how much do I enjoy being a mum? I mean, how I mean I always see myself as this really creative fun mum, but how maybe I'm not, you know what I mean? Maybe I'm slightly impatient and quite irritable. <laughs> but, um, no, impossible. No, no, that doesn't fit the version of myself. But I've got to say, um, compared to who I used to be before I got sick, I would say I'm 100 times happier. You know, um, and it's not just the external situation of being in, in an unhappy marriage, just like skip that bit, even before that, you know, striving, writing lots of comedy, doing lots of Edinburgh's, 100 miles an hour, drinking way too much. You know, I didn't feel good 
I always felt a bit like, oh, I should be getting more. I should have got more. I should have been cast in that or our sitcom should have been commissioned. And I was, I had a much more negative spin on the world. And that spin was just because I didn't have in place what I have in place now, which is yeah. good sleeping, loads of exercise, loads of light, loads of walking, mindfulness, enjoying the day, being present, all that stuff that, that makes my life a lot better. Yeah. You've just... While you were talking, I had so many questions pop into my head. First of all, thank you for sharing that story because it does, when you go into the whole thing and you kind of relive it, it does yeah. bring it all back, even yeah, though it was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but one of the things you've just said there, it was a bit of a light bulb moment for me because I started thinking about how my life was as well, that pace and that running for striving for the next thing the better thing be the best have the most yeah. get the thing and something about you see when I first asked to talk to you I was going to talk about veganism specifically and the food part of it but what you've just described is a slowing down mm. of life so that some of the things that you end up doing are space related. They're, they're about creating space in your life. Mm. And perhaps for this type of lifestyle, you automatically have to create space, which leads you to have to let go of some of the striving stuff. Mm. I also think, Natalie, it's that thing that we've all been culturally um, brainwashed, thinking that to achieve more, you need to do more. Unless you work really, really hard, you know, unless you really struggle then it's not worth it. And I actually think sometimes the reverse is true. That kind of sense of relaxation, that prioritizing that evening walk, that's the, that is the kind of thing that influences real creativity, real brain power, real focus. And you achieve a lot more in a shorter space of time because you're not constantly 10 to the dozen. And I, I, I'm sure there's, there's loads of science on it as well, you know. But, and also to go a bit woohoo on it, which I've read loads of this sort of stuff, you know, and if you believe in, you know, what you attract into your life, you know, maybe being in a better place energy-wise, you know, those right people and those right circumstances come along a lot more effortlessly mm. rather than, right, I've got to get my sitcom made, I've got to write to him, I've got to, you know, got to force it to happen, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And maybe that sense of ease paradoxically you do end up achieving a bit more. I mean, our lives have gone into a slightly different direction, but I've got to say, because we obviously we set up a, a health retreat and we work in the wellness world a lot more, um, but I've got to say it's been effortless. The doors have opened effortlessly. Our business has done so successfully, effortlessly, you know, um, and maybe that's just, it's a different industry than kind of comedy writing and performing, but maybe it's my relationship to it as well. Yeah, I definitely think there's something to that. And there was something you said about when you were on those websites and you were yeah. looking at the stories that people were sharing. And, you know, there's something we look at in, in sort of psychological circles when we're looking at motivation. We call it towards motivation or away from motivation. And often people, if they're experiencing something difficult, like for me it was my emotions around parenting and just feeling so overwhelmed and so useless that I created my own sites. I called it Trigger Mummy because I was just triggered by my emotions all the time. Yeah. And these sites also play on that, is that, the, you know, I want to get away from that thing. I want to get away from the illness. I want to get away from the emotional turmoil. But in doing that, we focus on it. 
and we kind of grow it in our minds. So it becomes this increasingly large monster. Mm. And that was why I changed. So I shut down Trigger Mommy and I opened Big Happy Life because that was the case of going, what I'm aiming at is I want the big life with everything in it, Mm. but I also want to feel happy, not torn apart and stressed all the time and like I'm too small and too incapable of running this big life that I somehow have managed to find myself in the middle of and you did exactly the same thing that you went no hang on how do I actually want to live Mm. and then almost did this like 180 turn towards it yeah and and everything shifted as a result well it is again it's paradoxical because I had to do that shift to, to heal a physical illness but what I actually also did in the in at the same time was create a really balanced, well-lived life. Uh, Because the physical, you know, and the physical and the mental and all of that is totally related. Uh, It's interesting because a lot of our girlfriends, um, or friends of friends, they they, they might turn around and say, well, you could have gone into a mission anyway, and this would have all been wasted. Uh, what waste? You could be eating like KFC with us and getting absolutely hammered. No, they you don't know. say it quite like that. But it, it's that kind of context, you yeah. know. Um, and you kind of go, no, you know, I wasn't sick. And actually, you know, what it did for me was it just created more energy. And that isn't a waste. And even if I got sick now, I would never think, oh, it's all been wasted. I got sick. You I know, could have been getting pissed for 10 years. I've woken every, you know, I, I've woken up every day. <laughs> with better energy, feeling happier, being a better role model for my daughter. How is that a waste, you know? I, I also think as well, the first thing we did was give up alcohol. And I mm. kind of go on about it a little bit at the retreats, but it was the best thing I've ever done with my life. Same. Give it up, you know, and I wish I'd done it earlier, but maybe yeah. it takes us a while to get there, you know. Um, but it, it that was a very destructive force in my life that I didn't quite realise to what extent. I mean, and I wasn't an alcoholic, you know, but I was a regular drinker, you know, sort of a couple of glasses of wine most evenings before, I, you know, before the pregnancy sort of changed it all. But definitely in my 20s, in my 30s, up to sort of 36 before I got pregnant and it's sick, I was a couple of glasses of wine most evenings. Um, yeah, it's at the weekends. Yeah. yeah. And that's actually a lot to drink. Yeah, likewise. I mean, I was the same. And it would be yeah. the thing I would look forward to. Yeah, me too. But what was really interesting on the drinking front, so I've got so many things I want to tell you. First of all, the first person I think who I spent any great amount of time with was actually you, Loretta, when you weren't yeah. you weren't drinking and we used to go and and do the, the work together when yeah. we were working on the various contracts. And um, we'd be sitting at dinner and Loretta would be going, no, nah, I don't drink, I'm going to have whatever soft drink. And I'd be thinking, oh, God, I'm such a loser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, I think, you know, when you were talking about um, girlfriends and friends of friends saying what they say, I think there's a little bit, like, I always wanted you to go, ah, screw it. I'm just going to have a glass of wine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I would have felt so much better. Yeah. Because I knew already at that stage that something wasn't quite right and that I was overly reliant because it wasn't a choice. It was a, a I feel like something's yeah. wrong if I don't have a glass of wine. Yeah, yeah. And even though I wasn't, you know, excessively drinking, I wasn't drunk, yeah. Going without felt problematic to me. Um, so that was that was difficult. Well, actually, interestingly, um, I, I felt very similar. I, I always I always had this thing. I, I remember thinking, I can't wait to get pregnant because then I'll have to stop drinking. And <laughs> I just thought, that is really wrong. But I remember thinking that if I'm being yeah. really The only thing that will stop me. 
<laughs> but if I ever, when, when I was a drinker, when I met people that had done it, as well as they weren't too evangelical about it or a bit kind of, you know, worthy, worthy you know, um, and actually, psych, you know, psychologically, you learn as a non-drinker how to pitch it to people because it, it, it can be a bit of a... Annoying. It can be annoying. Or and conceited or, I don't know, or smug. Or feel like you're looking down at people because they do drink, which I never do. I, you know, I all, I, I, you know, I... And even with 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 being plant based, for us, it's never about making people plant based or making people vegan. It's about making people more healthy and eating better. And there's a lots of really really unhealthy vegans. Um, but what I wanted to say was that you know I remember meeting people that had given up, and I had the opposite reaction. I'd be like, I, I'd just be so like, I, for me, they were like Jesus. I'd be like, how did you do it? What do you do? And you do it every day and you never drink. You never, oh my God. And then I, I'd just, be, I'd be obsessed with them. Yeah. Because I wanted to do it. Um, and I found it, I just found it extraordinary, extraordinary that anyone could live their lives and, and, and enjoy it and not have that bottle of champagne when they're getting ready or, you know, all the things that we psychologically attach to drinking. Yeah, um, the treat, yeah. the yeah. celebration, yeah. the commiseration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's nothing that it's not an occasion for. That's what we've been brought up with, to celebrate, to commiserate, to relax, to unwind, to be, to be social. All these messages attached to drinking hmm. you know it's, so it's, it's probably one of the hardest things to give up because yeah. we are literally brainwashed yeah. to believe that this that glass of champagne equals a great bloody time and a great yeah. life and, and a great success. life so, yeah yeah and you it, know and I was listening to Andy Ramage the other day who does um one you know beer and he was saying he does a daily Instagram live and I, sometimes I, I switch into him because I think he's a great talker but he was saying just because you know eighty percent of the population do it doesn't make it doesn't make it right. Mm. You're in that twenty percent that don't, and it, it's quite hard. But because the enormity of the population that do, you really do feel like an outlier. But mm. just because so many people do it, it doesn't make doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. It's not the right thing to do. Even on like I think there's data out there like even one glass of wine a night increases your risk of breast cancer but quite a dramatic effect yeah you know, yeah um it, it will be seen in as bad as smoking in time to come but they they kind of obviously the the alcohol industries don't want this to really be that wide you know widespread no no and i mean i so i don't know a lot of that information about what it does physically um but what I do know is one of the things that for me made a big difference was when I was drinking, I was a, I was a five o'clock yeah. wine time type drinker. Yeah. I'd be clock watching from about three. Yeah. Going, okay, yeah. it's a long time to go. But the other thing is every time something happened in the day, whether it was related to my kids or it was related to work or something that frustrated me, my mind immediately jumped yeah. to at five o'clock, I will be able to release this. So I never actually learned any strategies for releasing it right then and there yeah. of going, I'm completely capable of handling this. It's actually not that stressful in the first place. Mm. It's a little story in my mind and now I have to handle it. Yeah. And so what ended up changing when I gave up alcohol, I had to face my kids mm. kind of upset in a different way. The tantrums you face either way, whether you're, whether you're yeah. going to have a drink at five o'clock or not, you've got to, you've got to go in head first, but like all the little niggles that we have as parents along the way, 
when when your brain is jumping two or three hours to the wine, you don't handle the niggle the same way. You don't use it as a connection opportunity. Same with work, same with anything. Um, yeah. And that's been a huge change. Yeah, I, I found as well, like with, when, I, when I'm triggered, you know, um, and sometimes I get so wound up. And actually, I, I slightly did it this morning. I was slightly triggered and I actually went for a coffee. I had an extra coffee. Because I was like, I just need to have, you know what I mean? Um, but I tend to, what I tend to do now is when I'm triggered, or if I, especially if I'm upset or I, I can feel it rising, is I just go walking. And then after the walk, I will be fine. Mm-hmm. Actually, the, 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 I was listening to, um, you probably know who he is, the guy that wrote Flow. The Chick Sent Me High. The, the psychological view of flow yeah. or different? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he's written a book. He's got a book called Flow and about when we get into that zone and how to get into that zone. Um, but I was listening to him last night and, um, and he was saying about stress and stress management and was saying the worst thing you can actually do for stress when, or, or, you know, you're feeling near burnout is to have a glass of wine and watch telly. They are the two worst things you can do for your brain. And the best thing you can do is what you, what you yeah. just said is to go for a walk. That will really de-stress you. It just mm-hmm. it just starts the, the stress levels just start as longer the longer that you walk. You know, I did it at the weekend. You know, Carter's been particularly challenging, and I was like, I can't deal with his behaviour right now. He's in front of lots of kids. I'm rising, you know, and I just like feel myself get upset. And I was like, I just need to get away. And I just went walking for 25 minutes. Um, and just left her child alone. <laughs> Loretta, Loretta, With the oven. Loretta was there. <laughs> um, and I just went, you can't always do that, obviously, if you're looking after kids. But I, I, I could. I could, so I did. Mm. Uh, and it, it really does help. Yeah. And there was, um, there was, there's a podcast called Feel Better, Live More. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, one yeah. of his guests, had written a book about walking. Oh, I listened to this. It's good, I isn't it? Interview about it, yeah, and the walking for older people and what it does. And well, he was saying basically walking for anybody. So he was yeah. saying there is no group, no situation, yeah. and no no study they have ever done with anybody anywhere where walking hasn't led to them feeling better. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's that simple. He's like, it's just yeah. yeah. And especially in nature, if you can walk in nature, I think that's yeah, the, yeah. yeah rather than the A four O six, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. My husband does because I go out in the mornings, but I I tend to be listening to something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like to listen to audiobooks or podcasts or whatever, and only if the sun is shining or I actually am actively trying to energize myself do I look up. Otherwise, I'm kind of looking at the pavement. So yeah. I just leave the house and walk. But for him he really needs to be in kind of open space in nature. So he will drive to a place where he can okay. walk in open yeah. space. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, do, do you think, do you think it really matters one way or the other or just, just walk? I don't think it matters. I think your, your walk is enhanced if you're in somewhere beautiful. Like we were actually just thinking about driving to my mum's where there is a really beautiful walk. Mm. Um, so I think it's enhanced, but I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do think... Especially if you have, I recorded a video about this, you know, the light hitting your eyes and it helps, yeah. 
it just helps calm. It helps all the balance of hormones and everything to work yeah. the way it's supposed to. So you potentially could sleep better that night. All of those things can make yeah. a difference. But when you're kind of wandering around between some semi-attached houses, you don't tend to look yeah. up at the sky. Yeah, it's, <laughs> no, not, you don't. it's not quite as yeah dramatic of the effect. I don't think. No. Still, you know, you do do whatever you, you can do. Yeah. And there's something about barefoot as well. That's yeah, supposed to make a I've difference. I've not done yeah. it. I have seen the guy in the park do this, haven't we? It's really strange because I remember when I met he runs, him. He runs bare feet. I, yeah, he runs in bare feet. And it's really weird how your brain works because I just looked at him and I looked at him top half and it was completely normal. And I seen his bare feet and I went, lunatic. Weird. <laughs> lunatic. And that's what I thought. And it's really weird. It's so judgmental. And then we found his shoes. And then I seen his, yeah, his trainers under the chair. And all of a sudden I went, He's not a lunatic, he's just doing barefoot running. Yeah. Um, but, and, and actually, I've actually started chatting to him now. We've, we, we've spoken and I did ask him about his, his barefoot running. Um, and he said, basically, um, he, he finds it so much better for him. It grounds him. And that he was telling me about trainers that, you know, because all the trainer companies tell you to change your, change your trainers, you know, every year. And he said, it's a load of rubbish. He said, the more worn in they are, the better they are for you. Mm. Um, so my trainers are falling apart. But I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm believing him. I'm, you know, he's doctor, foot trainer man. Um, who knows? But yeah. <laughs> wow, cool. That's good to know. Yeah. So but this is, I guess this leads me to um, that whole train of thought has led me back to food and understanding a vegan lifestyle. Because yeah. there we've gone from walking to walking outside in nature to walking barefoot and there were kind of these grades of like how far do you need to go and this is one of the things I think a lot of us struggle with with healthy lifestyle choices is you hear something that sounds basic and then someone else goes actually for that to work you need to do this and then someone else goes mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so now we've got you know okay veganism if you're going to eat a plant-based diet that's, that's going to do wonders for you. But then it turns out actually you need to have organic produce or that has to be locally grown. It needs to have been picked 17 seconds ago and you need to get it in your mouth. Otherwise, it's not going to do anything for you. Um, so, like, can you help me understand what, if, if somebody wanted to, to consider a plant-based diet, where do they start and what can they expect the experience to be like in terms of wellness and feeling better? Well, can I just say that our, our philosophy, as I've said, is not about me making people being plant-based. And it's mm. not for everyone. We're not vegans in, 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 in that kind of respect. Of we, you know, we wear leather shoes. We, we sometimes have a bit of bacon. No, we don't. We are plant-based and we don't really use that term. Um, okay. okay. It's an American term, but, it, but it's... That's, we basically eat a whole food plant-based diet. Um, there are, there's a lot of veganism out there and it's full of processed food and it's no healthier than you know, eating meat. You know, there are thousands of chemicals on the, on the packaging. If you can't read them, then they're obviously not, they're not good. Mm -hmm. um, so we're about eating as many fruit and vegetables as you can, um, whole foods and, you know, as simple as possible. Um, and it's about... It doesn't mean that it can't be delicious. No, no. Um, so from our point of view, it's, it's getting more of that in, in your life, in, any, in whatever way you can, because it's not easy. People are busy, you know, and it's sometimes it is difficult, you know, cooking from scratch every night. So it's about telling people 
to prioritize their health in a way. So, you know, and to be conscious about what they're eating. We're, 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 we're very unconscious. You know, we just go in, I'm, I'm hungry, I need to eat. You know, so... And understand that actually by feeding yourself really well, um, the, the result of that is that you will have more energy. You'll be able to solve your problems in a better, more positive, more productive way. So it's not just about solving that issue of hunger it's about thinking how you want to be the next day and the day after that and realizing the impact and how powerful food is I mean it really is powerful and if you if you can understand that that gives you a much greater motivation to choose the right things and also yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't even have to be that you know it doesn't have to be that complicated I mean I always say just adding juicing to your life just getting a really good juicer maybe a blender as well if you want to do smoothies just adding these really small, simple habits will really, really will build up to your sort of well-being bank balance. You know, you basically, you know, make sure you have a smoothie every day. That is a massive thing to do. That's mm -hmm. not in your life. That will really help, you know. So you, you're swapping your kind of bacon sandwich or maybe your unhealthy breakfast choice for a healthier one, mm -hmm. you know. Or I always say, like, if you're going to cook dinner, always have, like, a massive green salad and my thing with salads is, is making them amazing so that you really want to eat them. And often when I serve salads at the detox barn, that's what they rave about more than the main meal. Because and they can't believe they're eating so much of it. And they're like, this is amazing because I put a lot of love and energy and toasted seeds and pecans and gorgeous dressings. So by the end of it, you feel inspired to do it again. Not, oh, we have to add a little bit of lettuce yeah, with the, a bit of salad. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. um, so it's just doing things that, that little things. I just think little small steps and, and, and they're actually contagious mm -hmm. because the more you do it, the better you feel and the better you feel, the more you want to do it. And, and you find that with everything, you know, the less you do it, you know, the more you go down that, if you start your day with a bacon sarnie, it's, you know, you're on one, what sits by lunchtime and then it's like, whatever, you know. Yeah. But if you start your day there is, well. Yeah, yeah there is studies that say, like, the, the choices that you make at the beginning of your day impact all the choices throughout the day. So if you get that first bit right, you, you're more likely to keep making better choices. I mean, even, like, things like exercise, the more you exercise makes you think, oh, no, I don't want to eat crap. I've just done a really good run. I feel quite good. I'm going to go for something a bit. So everything has an impact on everything else. Yeah. Um, it can be a bit overwhelming at first. I mean, we always give a kind of a list of your kind of staples for vegan cooking, you know, but there's so many great, like, plant-based cooking books out there now. And if you go to a restaurant, you can literally go, can I have the vegan menu? I mean, you know, when I first became vegan eight years ago, that, you know, I, I would have rice um, salad and mushrooms everywhere I went. Every <laughs> That's what I would have if I went out for dinner because there was no vegan options. But now you can go, I'll have the vegan curry or the vegan, you know, whatever. There's loads of options. So yeah, there's no excuses. But I think, I think just adding a bit more of it to your life. So like twice a week, we're going to do plant-based dinner. Every day I'm going to juice. Mm. So that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That again, I've had another aha moment while you were talking, because I think what you've just described is exactly what we were talking about for this whole lifestyle idea of when we went from push, 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 everything must be the way it's supposed to be, we have to be the best. Is like, I think I've gone at this idea of food and understanding food with the same mentality. It hasn't dawned on me until right now mm. that it's like, 
oh, I've just found out that in order to, in order for spinach to be absorbed, I must have it with some kind of oil, or this has to happen, or, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. God, blueberries are meant to be organic. And it's like, it's one yeah. thing after another. And I just, yeah. I'm so obsessed with the rules that I've missed yeah. the point of yeah. like just creating space and actually enjoying food in such yeah. a way that it makes you feel good. And I do a lot of that, but I think where I've, even the, the point of coming at it with this question of how good is it possible to feel, it's built yeah. into that as well of going like, can this be better? Can I yeah, do more? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, actually, we talk about that on the retreat that, you know, because people often come up with what they've read in the press and articles they've read about and someone says about protein. Where did you get your protein from? And oh, it's dangerous. Juicing's dangerous. You know, all <laughs> But what I always say is, you know, what the food industry has managed to do brilliantly is 100% confuse us and paralyze us into making decisions. Because there's one industry saying, you know, one article saying that a glass of red wine a day is good for you. Another one that's saying salad in a bag can kill you. And, one, you know, eggs can cure diabetes or give you diabetes. I can't remember which one. So <laughs> what they, they, they basically, they basically they paralyze us because we don't know what to do. We don't know what to think. So we think we might as well carry on doing what we've always done because it's, it, how can I believe anything? Yeah. And what I always say to people is, I know, absolutely, 100%, I get that. But what, there's no study in the world that will ever say that fruit and vegetables are bad for you. No. They are not. In whatever way, if they're pulled straight from the earth and you chop them up and you cook them, they are going to be good for you. And I mean, it's, it's about eating as many different types as you can. So you get diversity, eating lots of fiber. I'm, I'm really big on fiber. I think that, you know, there's a lot of research at the moment about gut health, feeding your microbiome and getting as many different uh, nutrients as you can from different types of plants. I will That's, say on the organic thing is that actually it is better to be organic but there are things that you can get away with that you don't have to go organic. So things with hard skins like aves, bananas, uh, pineapples, things where, you know, they haven't been penetrated with the pesticides. But things like your berries, your apples, um, your cucumbers, tomatoes, they really should be organic. And I know they cost a bit more, but again, this goes down to priorities you know we'll spend 25 quid on a bottle of wine but we won't spend another 50p on a cucumber <laughs> so it's like how what do you value um, and actually also knowing because I think what motivates you is like what's the point why yeah. you know um so there's a lot of research on pesticides being bad for us and I think it makes absolute sense but also they've done um uh tests on things like organic versus non-organic in tomatoes and the organic ones had 50% more vitamin C. So it's not just about, you know, oh, I'm being organic, you know, it's about actually they're more nutritious and they're less likely to, to damage you because of the, the amount of pesticides and antibiotics they use in order to make them look like those beautiful, large, you know, super brilliant um, leeks or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah, so I would, I would go organic most for the majority apart from anything with a hard skin where you can get away with it we don't get we don't get organic avocados oh no darling we don't no, we don't darling no we're <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so crazy <laughs> or organic bananas although i have i'm starting to read like, like obviously as a vegan like the avos is the one thing that i just absolutely love but i started to read like loads of like like sustainability like avo was this documentary that i chose not to watch because I was like, I don't want to know. Because once I know, I'm going to have to stop. 
and my other addiction. <laughs> avocado wars. Oh, don't, don't. Oh, yeah. I... Like, like drugs, like because it's become so popular, like cartels, wherever oh, the right. avos are grown. And I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, anyway. no. Yeah. I've seen the fish one and I've seen, yeah. because of course I still eat these things. And now I'm like, oh, yeah. can't eat this, can't eat that. No, no. Which I suppose makes us, and then we go, okay, well, let's be plant based. And then the bloody yeah. avos are at it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true that, I, honestly, it's true about the avos. I have heard mutterings. Yeah, yeah. And I've chosen to kind of ignore for now. Yeah. So almond milk milk is another one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's actually reminded me of another question I wanted to ask you. And this is again like the organic thing, Um, because I know you make your own. Now I buy mine. I buy it too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that was what I wanted to ask. Again, is that one of those things of going? Oh, actually, if you're buying it, then there's no point because it's total trash and you no. may as well give up. No, no, I mean, um, yeah, we, I buy it because, you know... There I, are better makes than others. Like, Plenish is a really good make. Okay. Um, Rude Health is a good make. make. It's just looking at the ingredients because some of them do have, you know, when you see kind of citric acid and all those sort of different stabilisers and stuff. I mean, if it, yeah, but you avoid those. I mean, if it's literally got, like, the Rude Health has got, like, Almonds, they haven't got much almonds. It's like 1% or something. Yeah. Uh, water, and I think it's got vegetable oil, which isn't amazing, but it's not awful. Mm. Yeah. So it is, they're, they're stable ingredients. They're not things you don't understand. I mean, the yeah. only difference that, 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 that will happen if you buy your own milk is that you just won't be getting that concentration of the nuts. But I, I don't use milk for that, I use it to flavor things or to make a nice smoothie or to do a chai pudding, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's fine, you know. And yeah. sometimes if you've got time and you want to, it's nice to I think, soak nuts. Yeah, like, I think a lot of the time if we're doing juice fast or being like having a really extra healthy, you know, drive, then we would more likely make our own. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I'm using up a lot of your time. Have you got time for one more, one more question yeah, yeah, about that? No worries. Because this is something that I've been really curious about. I've seen your Instagram feed. And of course, you eat a plant-based diet. You're eating really healthily. You've already cut processed sugars and processed carbohydrates. You basically cut all processed foods out. Yeah. So how come you still juice? Because you're um, already at that really healthy level, right? Yeah, because juicing maintains your health and your vitality. If I'm tired, I'll just go and have a cucumber shot. You know, just I'll just juice a whole cucumber. Juicing is kind of a non-negotiable for me. Uh, it's something that's in my life every single day. Um, and I, at the moment, we're doing sort of a bit of a juice fast. We're sort of going on sort of eating raw. Um, I just do it as a bit of a reset because even me and Luetta, who are, you know, the healthy gurus, we lapse too. Well, we go, oh, I sort of had a bit too many vegan cakes. Oh, we did, we did a vegan market a uh, couple of weeks ago and there were so many amazing stores. Vegan stuff, I got overexcited. And we bought two vegan sausage rolls and oh, they weren't awful. even nice. They weren't even nice, but awful afterwards. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's about resetting and going, do you know what, I haven't been on my game 100%. You know, I've, I've been in a coffee shop and there's been a vegan cake and I've gone, oh, okay, and I haven't looked at the ingredients and I've just kind of had it. Um, so... We lapse as well, hmm. but my, our version of lapsing compared to most people's is probably like, you know, but even so, I have to reset. I have to go, come on, you're not on your game. You can't be preaching to yourself about healthy living and then eating sausage yeah. rolls at a vegan market secretly. So what does, what is the difference? So for you, when you say, you know, we, we've kind of lapsed, 
Yeah. What does that feel like in your body or in terms of well-being? Um, it's 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 subtle. It's not like it would be like if I sort of hit the bottle and started you know, <laughs> eating loads of processed foods. But I suppose it's not feeling as, as good. good. Yeah. You don't Generally. feel as good. You know. Yeah. I mean, you know, it doesn't make that much difference. But, you know, I kept, sometimes after we run a retreat, I've cooked for everyone for three days solid. And we get back and we order a um, takeout from uh, Wagamama's. Amazing vegan menu. Um, So I I, I let myself have that. You know, we're not, you know, and I just never feel that great afterwards. Yeah. If I'm being really honest, I enjoy it. It reminds me, I kind of go, oh, I don't feel as... Whereas if when I eat my food, I do feel really good and I feel energised and I don't have that slump. And also, if you're eating raw, so it's again again about how good can you feel. So sometimes when we've been like in particularly busy times of our lives, um, I've either gone and done a juice fast into it and then I've gone raw. Now, I can literally, like, like at the weekend, because I've been on a juice fast and I, we took all the kids away for the weekend, Carter is really bad at winding down and going to sleep when there's too much excitement. So he couldn't get to sleep till midnight. He then woke up at four, wired, and going, can I go back and see my friends? Can I, you know? And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is a nightmare, you know? And we eventually, he woke up at six. I got a couple of hours. But because I was on a juice bar, I'm, I'm going on to raw now, I could basically operate with like three, four hours sleep, and I was absolutely fine. It didn't wow. even touch the sides. I wasn't even in a bad mood because... That food and just juicing, you, you, it just creates so much more energy in your body. So I think when you're feeling a bit slumpy or you're feeling a bit like, I've got a really busy period coming up, I just really want to be on top of it. I want to feel really, really good. I'm going to do a 10-day juice fast, you know, um, and it just ups your game a bit. Mm. I really want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'll put a warning in, Natalie. It's hard. If you haven't done it before, um, it, is, it is tough. But you have to give it three or four days to get through the tough bit. And obviously, you know, do your research and, you know, I, and I'm not, I'm, I, you know, sort of fasting isn't for everyone. So, you know. Yeah, and the first three days can be tough. And on the day three, I remember feeling really tired. But I, I gave myself a pass. I was like, you're on a juice fast. You're feeling a bit slumpy. You're feeling tired. Had a little lie down in the afternoon before I picked up Carter. And I wasn't like, oh, you shouldn't be lying down in the afternoon. You've got a million things to do. I was like you want to juice fast, you're not feeling 100%, you're going to feel great tomorrow, you'll catch up tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> My mindset is Catholic guilt. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. And so it's good to start on the weekend, that's my point. So maybe start on a Thursday night. By Sunday, you'll be feeling a bit rubbish. You can give yourself a bit of a pass at Sunday, don't do much, and then Monday you'll be flying. Yeah. I, I've done a couple, but... Yeah, I tend to, I think because for me, food still has an emotional Yeah, root. it does for me as well, yeah. I find myself getting very... <sighs> yeah, but you will be anyway because your, 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 your sugar levels um, will be dropping. You know, the, it will affect your mood, especially for the first few days. So you will feel irritable. And you're just like, usually you'd release now with, with a nice dinner to look forward to because you realise how much you're emotionally connected to food. So, you know, I was a bit like, oh, we're going to take the kids away to supper. We're going to be cooking for them all weekend. And we're going to be, you know, hosting them. That's going to be quite hard work. And we've got no reward. We've got no, like, dinner to look forward to in the evening. This is going to be awful. But it wasn't, you know. And my reward was I watched Time, you know, the series that was out on, on BBC, which was 
you know, it's an amazing, it's a masterpiece. And I, I watched, that's what we did in the evening. So you yeah. just replaced it. Or, or I'll give myself a reward. I'll go, after five days, I'm going to treat myself to a really lovely massage. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I'm going to get, I'm going to really, I'm going to buy like some really nice Epsom bath salts. And in the evening, I'm going to put a candle on and I'm going to do these salts. And so you mm. just put little triggers in, little rewards that just, so you've got something. So that's replacing the food. The food, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's the same. I mean, we've already just described that that's what we all went through when we took alcohol out. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing, isn't it? That you have to let go of the things because you're constantly throwing your attention into the future of like the meal that's going to make you feel better so you can get yeah. through this. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you just kind of yeah. create space, be present. And then when the time comes where you have a chance to just have a little bit of downtime, you do something other than eat and make it something that really feels rewarding to you. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I listen a lot to Lee Mank on I Can't Believe It's Not Buddha and he's given up alcohol as well. And he was saying, uh, okay, sometimes I watch other people sort of drink in a beer garden and, you know, and he sort of said, I wish I could be them. I wish I didn't care. I wish I didn't have this consciousness that it's not the right thing to do for me. Like, I wish I could just... Oh, it's that naivety. Yeah, yeah. of yeah. like going, they're just having a good time. Like, life's too short, this is... But again, you have to keep reminding yourself, life is too short. You know, that, that may be fun, whatever, in that moment. But you, you know the impact, you know. Um, and it's kind of having that consciousness. And food is a bit like that as well, kind of having blowouts. You know, it might feel good in the moment, but you're going to feel a bit crap later. Mm. And know? also, I think with food, Sharon and I, you know, we cook amazing food. Yeah, and, so and there's no compromise. There is no compromise. And people come to the barn and they're like, oh, if I could do, if you, got, if you could come and cook for me like this, I would be a vegan. Yeah, so it's not like, it's not like what we have replaced our food with is boring Misery. and miserable. It's actually nutritious and gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. It's only when we're on juice fast that we're like, yeah. oh, I'm trying to look forward to. But you, probably, you can look forward to really good energy and good night's sleep. <laughs> um, it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough one, juicing. It is a tough yeah. one. Yeah, I think you have to kind of work up to that. But I suppose if you've done a few of the other yeah. things, then the juice fast becomes the next thing you feel yeah. you need to do. And it's good to challenge yourself. It's really good. We're, we're on autopilot all the time. You know, it's really good to shake it up a bit and challenge yourself and go, okay, this is a bit tough, okay. Mm. I'm doing something new, you know. Yeah, yeah. And realising that you can get through the discomfort and it's actually yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Absolutely. And we talk about that on the retreats, don't we, when I do the happiness talk. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, a, it's a key part of it. So, yeah. um, and yet... I shy away from a juice fast. So <laughs> yeah. there we go. Um, so before we go, um, when you have your retreats, I would imagine that there are pieces of advice or tips that you offer people who want to just kind of take that first step on their own now that they've been exposed to some of the, um, the information and the lovely food and all the things that you've shared with them. Um, what would you say is the best piece of advice that you would leave people with or even the best pieces of advice that you leave people with that help them get started? Well, we, we always encourage people to do things, whatever they want to do, do little and often um, if you want to make um, a lasting change. And we talk about habits and how when you first start changing, it feels very uncomfortable. And then after a while, it be becomes more tolerable. And then eventually the stage that you really want to get to is when you go, I can't live without this. Mm -hmm. But you have to go through those stages, which are quite uncomfortable, as we were just saying, in order to get there. So we always say, 
little and often and work it into your work yeah. into your routine so you know don't make life difficult for yourself make it easy so if you want to exercise more walk your kids to school or run back or you know things little things that you can work into your lives but make it easy to work it into your life yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's key. And we do, we do give them a challenge, like a 30-day challenge to stick to one habit, one new habit that they want to achieve in their life for 30 days to try and implement it into their lives. I mean, yeah, I, I'd say that. And for me personally, I don't talk about it that much because I don't like to preach about it. But if, any, if, if, if someone said to me, what would be your greatest piece of advice to do with health? I would say give up alcohol. That would be my number one. Mm-hmm. But it's the least favourite. It's the least favourite. It's not popular. Um, so, and I have to be careful not to preach about it. But that is my one, one piece of advice because that kind of changes everything. Yeah. 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 Same. That was and honestly life changing. Yeah. A lot of people that do give up alcohol get very involved Passionate. in health yeah. and fitness. It becomes yeah. their new focus. So, yeah. you know, it, it becomes contagious. You know, health, you know, the more you do of something, the more you do with it, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. That was such, so illuminating. I got so much from that. It was a huge pleasure talking to you. And you, Natalie, nice to see you. It's always amazing talking to you, so thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of the conversation I had with Sharon and Loretta. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. I'm really inspired to consider a juice fast as a possible next thing to try, even though I have tried them before and they have made me really grumpy. The idea of challenging ourselves and placing ourselves outside our comfort zone, I think, is one that is really worth investing time and effort in and so if you've heard anything in this podcast that you think oh I don't like the idea of that but I know it's something I want to do then I challenge you to do the same to think about how to bring that into your life in some useful way and if it's your relationship with food or alcohol or some other habit that you feel is holding you back then do visit the show notes at bighappylife.co.uk and there's a link there to the Habit Reboot Package, which is a three-month package in which I will coach you through the changing of that habit. And so you can leave it in the rearview mirror and free yourself from its clutches. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave a comment, leave a review. All of these things really help build the audience and get more people listening to each of the episodes. And that allows me to get even more amazing guests who can come and join us and share their expertise with us. Next week, I'll be talking about the morning routine and building on some of the things that Sharon and Loretta spoke about in this episode about starting your day and how that sets you up for being the person you want to be throughout the rest of your day. So that's coming up next week. But for now, thanks for listening.